Well, hallelujah. That's African. That's how you start in Africa. All right. <laughs> it's really an honor to be able to bring to you the Word of God this morning. And I'm not going to spend time in introduction because I really want us to spend time chewing on the scriptures. I think that's what we do as a people of God. We chew on the scriptures so they become a part of us. And that's what God uses to transform us more and more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I am gonna, as is our custom here, I'm gonna invite you, those of you who are able, to stand for the reading of the word of God. We're in John chapter 11, beginning at verse 17. John 11, 17. This is the word of the Lord for us. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went, out, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this, by, by this time, there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said, had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Would you pray with me? And Lord, as always, we are a dependent people. I'm a dependent man on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we trust and believe, Lord, that you will take 
the word of God and shine it clearly into our hearts that we as your people would more and more reflect our Lord Jesus in how we think and how we act and how we live in all that we do. And so come, Holy Spirit, I know you're here, but come and have your way through the preaching of the word today. Lord, we commit it to you with our faith and we agree about this in Jesus' name. Amen? You may be seated. Well, Stacy preached the first part of this powerful story last week, helping us embrace the truth of God's timing, which is right, which is best. We may not understand why God does certain things. In fact, often I don't understand why God does things. But we learn to trust in his timing and purposes, even in the midst of not understanding what he's doing. We're picking up where Stacy left off last week with the rest of the story. Now, Jesus is the focus of every text in the Bible, in my view. But he's certainly the focus of this text. And here Jesus makes one of the more famous and, in my mind, incredible statements in all the Bible, which should change the way that you and I live if we understand him correctly. Now, just to review briefly, Jesus has been on a long day journey to Bethany where Martha, Mary, and Lazarus lived. When Lazarus got ill, they quickly sent a message to Jesus, who was a long day's journey away, believing that Jesus would come quickly and heal their brother. The text we read last week said Jesus purposefully stayed where he was for two more days because Jesus knows the plans of the Father to bring great glory to his name in and through every event of our lives. And Stacy made the excellent point last Sunday that Jesus waited because he loved Mary and Martha. That's why he waited, because he loved them. He knew what he was about to do, so he allowed them to grieve for a few more days. He did this because he loved them. Jesus' love is sometimes far beyond my understanding and your understanding, but he knows the best thing for Mary and Martha was for him to wait. Isn't that what love is? Doing the best thing for the other person? Well, this brings us to our theme this morning, that Jesus builds the faith of those he loves by showing them that he is the resurrection and the life. So Jesus arrives in Bethany after two more days of waiting and grieving for Martha and Mary. When he's close to their house, they hear he's come. Martha gets up quickly and goes out to be with him. Mary stays seated at the, at the house. Now we're not told why Mary stayed seated, but we can surmise perhaps that she was upset that Jesus hadn't come quickly at their response, we don't know for sure. But the text does make the emphasis to say that Lazarus has been dead for four days. There's a common belief in these days, which you may or may not know about, that the soul stayed near the body for three days. And the fourth day, when the body began to decompose, the soul would leave and, and the death would be permanent. The idea here is that Lazarus is not just dead, he's dead dead, he's really dead. He's completely dead, which is perhaps why Jesus waited a couple days before he came. Now the first part of the text this morning, and this is what we want to spend some time focusing on, is, is Martha and her faith in Jesus. It's really a remarkable faith as we're going to see. I want you to see how she responds, but yet she still misses something that the Lord is doing in her midst. Now when Martha goes out to meet Jesus, she blurts out quickly. Jesus, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. It seems like a statement of regret more than rebuke in the context 
because she knows that if Jesus had left immediately upon finding out, he still wouldn't have made it back in time before Lazarus died. But it's a statement of great faith is what it is. There's, there's no doubt in her mind that if Jesus had been present, he would, have healed, he would have healed Lazarus. There's zero doubt that she has about this. In fact, she adds the idea that the Father God will give to Jesus whatever he asks. Now, I don't think Martha is asking or expecting Jesus to raise her brother from the dead immediately. I don't think that's it because of what follows as we're gonna see in just a moment. But nonetheless, it's a statement of great faith, a model for us to follow. And this can apply to your life and my life. You look at circumstances and we tend to look, 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 look at what's happening around us and use that to determine what's gonna happen next. But Martha is saying here, even now, the Lord can heal. You have stage four cancer. Even now, the Lord can heal, amen? Even now, the Lord can draw your child back to faith in Christ. Even now, the Lord can open a door for your financial situation. Even now, and you can fill in the blank, the Lord can do whatever's needed in your situation too. Hallelujah. The interaction goes on with Jesus telling Martha that her brother will rise again. And Martha confirms that she knows her brother will rise again on the last day when Jesus returns. Jesus then makes this startling statement, which we're going to get to in just a moment, that he's the resurrection and the life. But Martha's faith response is, again, amazing. She says, I believe. Now, in the Greek, believe is not a head word. It's a heart word. You with me? Because we say things all the time. And it's coming out of our mouth and maybe out of our head, but we don't have a conviction that it's true. That's not true here. Martha is saying, I have a heart conviction about who you are. He's con she's convinced that Jesus is her Messiah, the Christ. Now, that's an amazing statement by itself in this context. Then she calls Jesus the Son of God who's come into the world. These statements at this point in the gospel, they're more, more profound than any statement the disciples are making, if you think about it. Her faith is, is, is deeper than, than what we see with the disciples. The Spirit of God has given to her some kind of revelation that she knows something about who Jesus is and she's believed and received that. She's responded what we call being born again. That's what we call it. That's, that's our language for it. But Martha is the one who believes and trusts, not just with her head, but with her heart. Martha has been listening and believed, even though the crucifixion and resurrection haven't yet taken place. So Martha's faith, in my view, is, is remarkable here, but it's not quite complete. We know this from a little bit later in the, in the text, verse 39. Jesus is gonna do the miracle. He knows, Jesus knows what he's gonna do. And so he tells him to remove the stone. And Martha is the one who objects. Lord, uh, by this time, the body will stink. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good idea. She's not saying, oh good, you're gonna raise my brother Lazarus now. That's not what she's saying. She's saying just the opposite. She's hindering and Jesus gently rebukes her and says, didn't I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God is what he says. Now what's the glory of God? Well, the glory of God is when you see Jesus, when you see God as he is, it brings great glory to his name. That's the glory of God. That's what he's talking about here. And so when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, everyone there sees the power of God displayed in the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And so bring glory to God and glory to Jesus for being the resurrection and the life giver. 
Now I would, I want to stop and point out here, we're talking about our faith, and we talk about faith a lot in church, don't we? Right? All right. And that, that's, that's, that's right. That's right. But, but, but faith, it, it's an interesting dynamic in my own life. I'm talking about me now. Because I, I have perfect conviction this morning that Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. I know for sure he loves me. Yet, you know, life can happen. The hard things in life can come. And I can have those moments of questioning or doubt or I complain. Do you all complain to God? <laughs> okay. I'm supposed to be getting back. I was supposed to get back from Africa and I was supposed to get back last night. This was Brian's good plan, by the way. Brian's good plan. It's not a bad plan. We were supposed to leave February 5th. That was the plan until I got COVID January 31st. That nullified the plan. And so we had gone to great expense, great hassle. It's, it's, it's a hassle. To go get a visa to Burundi, it's a hassle, let me tell you. Okay, It's expensive. We had set up airplane tickets. We'd set up the mission. We had done all this work to set things up. And then all of a sudden, we can't go. And so my initial response wasn't, I trust you, Lord. That wasn't it. Okay. My initial response was, Lord, what are you doing? Now, I had COVID, so I was struggling physically also. But it didn't seem like God was in control in that moment. But God was in control. Could God have prevented me from getting COVID? Absolutely. Not a big deal. Not difficult for him. So he allowed me to get COVID for reasons that I don't fully understand this day. So we couldn't go on the mission we had planned. That was the plan of God. Not Brian's plan, that's the plan of God, okay? This is important to understand because often God allows these difficult things and by the way, then I found out you can recover from COVID and still have a positive PCR test. You know what PCR test is? It's sort of the standard test that every nation uses now to determine whether you're contagious or not. I was fully recovered from COVID but I still had a positive PCR test for several weeks. Now it took a little bit of time but God got my heart to a place where finally I was saying, okay, Lord, I trust your timing in this. I trust you in this. I don't understand why you're allowing things to wait to release us to go, but I trust that you're able to redeem the time and money, which seems wasted from my point of view. I trust that you're able to use this time that I'm here to bring honor and glory to your name in ways that I didn't understand. I trust, Lord, that your timing in releasing us is correct. And finally, last week, by the way, I got a negative PCR test, hallelujah. We're leaving again in a couple of weeks now for Burundi. But why does the Lord cause these things to happen? Well, I don't know that he always tells us. He hasn't, certainly hasn't told me about why he's left us here for this season. He hasn't told me. But it has something to do, I can tell you, with increasing, strengthening my faith. It has something to do with what God is doing there. I don't know all that it has to do, but I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit is at work in Africa also where we were supposed to be because I know that he loves me and I know that his plan is better than my plan even though sometimes it means hardship for me and for you. Which brings us to our second point this morning. It has to do with Jesus being the resurrection and the life. I want us to reflect together on what he means when he makes this powerful I am statement. Now Jesus is interacting with Martha about her brother being raised from the dead in verse 25. Jesus states, I am the resurrection and the life. A revelation, a further revelation of who Jesus is. He's not simply saying that he will give resurrection and life. He's saying he is the resurrection and the life. Now Martha believes in the resurrection from the dead on the last day. 
a future and important hope for you and me as followers of Jesus, amen? And we, we, we've lost several people we love in this family in the past year, brothers and sisters. We've lost them, but they're with Jesus now. We, we, are, we have full confidence in this. We preach because we're certain that those who know Christ and die are with Christ now. And they will receive their glorified, their resurrected bodies when Jesus returns to establish his visible king, kingdom here on earth in what we call heaven. My dear friend Steve Curtis likes to say it this way. He said, there's no one in heaven right now who is saying, goodness, I wish I could go back to earth. <laughs> Amen. I totally agree with that. We, we haven't yet conceived, my friends, of, of the glory that we're going to experience in the presence of Jesus. It's a very real and important hope for Christians. When a born-again Christian dies, that person's soul goes to be with Jesus. That's what the scripture teaches. Remember, remember the thief on the cross with Jesus who believed in him? Jesus said to him, do you remember? Today you will be with me in paradise. Now there's all kinds of theology that says paradise is the abode of the dead and all this kind of stuff. That's not what he says. He says you'll be with me in paradise. That's what he says. And we know that Jesus at the end will, will raise up our bodies and give us glorified bodies and we'll be with him in the presence of Jesus in our glorified bodies forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. However, Jesus is saying more than that when he's saying I am the resurrection and the life. He's telling Martha, he's telling us that once a person comes to truly know Jesus Christ so is born again, that person now I have resurrection blood flowing through my veins. Amen? Eternal life blood is mine now. Not because of me, but because of Jesus and what Jesus has done on the cross for me. This will never change. Jesus has the power to give you new life every day. You understand there's physical life and then there's spiritual life. Those who are not yet born again, they have physical life but they're spiritually dead according to the scriptures. That's what the scripture teaches. Those who are born again, we have physical life, of course, but we also are alive inside. We're alive spiritually. That's what the scripture says. And so Jesus is the author of this return to life, what we call being born again, this resurrection life that he's given to us. It's the life God intended for you to have, you now have in Christ. Listen to me. You don't lack anything now. Amen? I mean, if, if Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he's given you the resurrection in Christ, you lack nothing. You lack no good thing that he has for you. Maybe you need your mind renewed so you think the same thoughts that God thinks who's made you alive. Maybe you need to quit living like you used to be in your old lifestyle. Maybe that's true. But you lack nothing in Christ now that we live the resurrected life. Paul says it this way in Galatians 2.20. I love Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it means we don't worry anymore about the things of life. Amen? Okay. Our, 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 our hope is secure now in Christ. This, this is what happened a few weeks ago with me, with this COVID, about with COVID. The Lord gave me grace over time, not immediately, but over time, so that I was at perfect peace whenever the Lord would open the door for us to go back. We feel, we feel like that's what God's called us to do, so we're all sort of chomping at the bit to do it. 
But God gave me peace to say, okay, Lord, whenever you have me to go, it's the right time. I mean, why fret? Some of you are thinking right now, uh-oh, <laughs> that's me. Okay. Why fret about things that Jesus has already taken care of? Why, why do we worry so much about these things, my dear friends, instead of living at peace before our sovereign king? We do our part. We pray. We offer ourselves up to the Lord, ask him to fill us. And whether I'm here or whether I'm there, God will fill us and use us to his glory. Hallelujah. And we don't worry anymore about death either. Jesus goes on in verse 26 to say, physical death is a gateway to fuller life in Christ. Hallelujah. That's, that's, that's a great promise. It's a gateway to a fuller life in Christ. People ask me, aren't you worried about going to Africa? Something might happen there. Something might happen here. Okay. I mean, the answer to that question is, no, not really. I'm not really worried about it because I trust that the Lord is able to help me there or here. I trust he's with me there or here. What, what if something terrible happens? And by that they mean Boko Haram or which we don't, they're not anywhere near where we are, okay? Or, or somebody kills us. But death means new life for the follower of Christ. That's what it means. I don't have a death wish, but I, I, I have peace about that in my heart because I know who I am in Christ. My dear friends, we cannot be complacent about this miracle which Jesus has done in us. So we now live the resurrected life. It's for you now, it's not just future, it's now. It's how we live as followers of Jesus. This is what Jesus says. He who believes in me will live. Then Jesus asks Martha this same question that I think he's asking you and me. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Belief means you live it out biblically. Because if you do, it will change the way you live and think. Which brings us to our, our last point this morning in the text. Jesus shows to all that he is the resurrection and the life by raising this dead man, Lazarus, to life again. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things that I think are powerful. First, Jesus feels the pain of those he loved. Mary came at Jesus' request and basically responds the same way that Martha had responded with a statement, there's sort of an implied question. Lord, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Why weren't you here, okay? It's sort of an applied question there. But as we've seen already, Jesus is following the plan of his father. So he waited and caused more pain for those he loved. Now, that, we struggle with that, as Stacy talked about last week. Wait a minute, this is causing me more pain. But Jesus is allowing that pain because he loves you. That's why he's allowing that pain. So Jesus did this to Martha and Mary. And when Mary comes, he sees her grief and the grief of others who are also weeping at Lazarus' death, death, and he felt their pain, and he wept with them at the grave. Now, to me, this is amazing because Jesus knows that he's gonna raise Lazarus again in a few minutes, right? So why is he weeping? Why is he weeping? He doesn't say to, to these precious folks, stop crying, I'm gonna raise him from the dead. He doesn't say that, why not? Because he's demonstrating his love for them. He's empathizing with what's going on in their lives and I believe he does the very same thing for me and you. You're struggling, okay, it's okay. I mean that, it's okay if you're struggling today. I struggle at times, we all struggle at times. That's called life, right? whether it's grief or hardship or whatever it is, Jesus knows that struggle. He knows exactly what you're going through and he's there with you. He's empathizing 
with you. In other words, he loves you in that place. You see, the, the, the tendency is, is when I struggle, is I blame God. God, why are you doing this? Instead of saying, Lord, I know you love me, I wanna just release this hardship to you so that you can work in and through this hardship somehow in my life, I don't know how. I just have to lay it down. There's a big difference between those two responses before our Lord. And then what we see is we see uh, Jesus deeply moved, it says in verse 38, it actually says it twice, he's deeply moved by his love for Martha and Mary. He's, he's now ready to remove their pain and to show the glory of God to all who are watching him. He's doing these things again because of his great love for them. And so Jesus tells them to remove the stone and then prays out loud. Now he doesn't do that for himself. He does that, he says, because those who are listening, he wants them to hear what he's saying and believe that the Father sent Jesus. That's what he wants. He's working to reveal himself to his people. And so Jesus speaks the word, Lazarus, come out. And you've heard the joke, no doubt. Why did Jesus say the word name Lazarus when he said this? Because if he didn't say Lazarus, the whole of the graveyard would have come, would have come alive. <laughs> By the power of the word of God. That's the point though. Don't miss it. That is the point. It's by the power of the word of Jesus that Lazarus is made alive. Our Lord can do all things by the power of his word. It doesn't matter what situation you're in, my friends. All those cells that started to decompose, they're regenerated somehow, instantly at the word of Jesus. Lazarus, who had no breath, is given breath by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of Jesus. Life is breathed back into him. I don't care what situation you're in, there is power, my friends, in the word of God, amen? I don't care what their situation, we trust in the word of Jesus. Doctors can give you a bad report, praise God, I listen, I listen, okay? But then I listen to Jesus, because he has the final word. Jesus has the final word in every situation. I could tell you many stories, I'm not gonna take the time, but I could tell you many stories. And so, life is breathed back into Lazarus, and in a moment or two, this man comes hobbling out of the grave, still with strips of linen wrapped around his body and his limbs, and the napkin, they call it, which is the wrap that goes around, a separate wrap that goes around his head, still wrapped up, I'm not sure how he made it out even, wrapped up, walks out, and Jesus tells them to take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let him be free of those things that are still binding him, is the idea. Now some make, I think, a very good point here, and they say that Jesus is asking them to help Lazarus, just like you and I will help a new believer in Christ, who's still, the moment, you understand, the moment we believe, that moment we have faith in Christ, we are born again. We are, we are new, we have given resurrection life in that moment. But we still think like we used to think yesterday. We still have the lifestyle we had yesterday. And so we need somebody to help us get the grave clothes off. So we can begin to live this new life according to who we now are in Christ. I was, and by the way, all of us need that. I'm talking, I'm talking about me, not just, not just some new Christian. We, we, we all have things that the Lord is removing from us to help us grow deeper in our faith in Christ. I was spending some time last week with my friend Kyle Pennington. Many of you know Kyle, works with Vigilant Hope. Very good ministries, very, very good. And we spend time together every few weeks and get, get together. And he brought along with him his friend Walker. And Walker is a brand new Christian, praise God. Came out of drug addiction, powerful transformation of his life. 
Walker is excited about his new faith in Christ. He's excited about what Jesus has done. But Kyle's doing the right thing in this situation. Basically, he's invited Walker to be with him all the time. I mean, from morning to night to be with him, to help him, even as Kyle does ministry and is doing different things, Walker's there with him, watching him, you know, being encouraged by him, praying together, all this kind of stuff. What Kyle's doing is right, it's biblically correct. He's, he's removing the grave clothes from Walker. That's what he's doing. That's, that's the right picture, my friends. And so make no mistake, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And this truth should cause us to rejoice, hallelujah, <laughs> and should cause us to reflect how are we living this new life we have in Christ, the resurrected life which has been given to us by Christ, which brings us to our response this morning. And I have a couple possible responses for you which you can respond as we go to the Lord's Supper in a few moments. But someone, whether it's online, bless you all, or whether it's here in the service, there's someone watching today who's not certain that they have eternal life. You're not certain that you've believed and received this Jesus who's the resurrection and the life, and today's the day of your salvation. Amen? You confess with your mouth, Lord, I confess that I've struggled with sin and, and I've earned your condemnation. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You believe in your heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead and the spirit of God will do the miracle of salvation inside of you. That's one set of response. A second set, which is for many of you, I believe, is you know you're born again. Praise God, praise God. But your faith's not a day-to-day -day faith yet. It's not a faith that makes a difference in your day-to-day -day life too much. You know you belong to Jesus, but you're not living the resurrected life that Jesus has already given to you. And he loves you. He wants you to know this love. and He wants you to, to know him more fully, live the abundant life that Christ came to give to you. And I had this picture when I was preparing the sermon, and I, I need to share this with you. Because I pictured and I saw Jesus, his arms were open like this. And he's inviting you to come so he can embrace you. Because you don't live the Christian life in your own strength. I hear that preached sometimes. That is not biblical, my dear friends. No, I'm dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit within me to empower me to live the Christian life. And so we go to Jesus, we, we bring all of our stuff to Jesus and we ask him not only to make us clean as we're going to the, the table to remind ourselves about what Christ has done, but to then to enable us, to empower us to live the resurrected life that he's come to give to us. And so we're gonna close in this way. I'm gonna just pray a blessing over you. And as I pray, uh, the Holy Spirit will do a, a great work, I'm sure. He's doing a great work because it's his, it's his word. And Stacy's gonna come up and, and lead us. This is a great way to respond to the word of God, but we always respond to the word of God, but this is a great way to, to do it at the Lord's table. So just close your eyes for a moment. Just bow your heads and just for a moment, just picture yourself, this is true, just picture yourself in the presence of Jesus because he's here, he's here. His arms are open for you. I'm convinced of that. His arms are open. He wants to receive you and whatever it is you need to bring to him, he wants you to bring it and you can bring it with your faith. You bring it in your mind's eye, bring it with your faith and you give it to him. You lay it down, whatever that is. Maybe it's a hardship, maybe it's a sin, maybe an addiction, something you've struggled with maybe for many years. Give it to him. And Lord, I would pray and ask in Jesus' name. I pray for that one who's watching this morning 
and doesn't yet know you, that you would do a miracle of salvation in his or her heart. Lord, do that work now for Jesus' sake. Father, I pray for those that are listening and they, they, they want to live the Christian life but they struggle in certain areas and you know those areas. You know, you know them better than we can tell you but yet you love us where we are. So Lord, we're asking that you would come and you would meet us where we are. We're coming to you, Lord Jesus. We're coming to you. We're coming to you by faith, trusting in you, believing in you. Lord, laying down what we need to lay down. So glorify your name, Jesus, in and through us. Lord, as you make us more and more reflect the image of Jesus, help us to live this resurrected life. Even in this struggle, some of you are in struggle and you, you need to give that struggle to Jesus. You have, maybe you have many times, but give it again. Give the struggle to Jesus. Lord, I trust that you're able to meet people where they are and bring glory and honor to your name. And so we pray this with our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.